So uh, I received the world's best pre-Passover present last week when my nephew made his way, I know, I know, almost a month early into the world on April 16th. His name is Daniel, but we're calling him Danny. And by the way, I just thought about making this entire sermon just 10 minutes of this. We'll just sort of, we'll just start a whole, we'd all be great. I'd enjoy it. Um, but there are a few more, so hopefully you'll indulge me. Here is my brother holding his son and my little brother holding his nephew. My parents holding their grandson. My grandmother holding her great-grandson. And on the right, looking very serious, he said to tell you all, he knows he looks, quote, he knows he looks 110 in this picture, but he's really only 90. He looks much younger in person. So, Grandpa, I, I told them. Um, this is my grandfather holding his firstborn son's firstborn son's firstborn son. I know, I'll come back to that. It gives the language of our Passover Seder, the injunction to tell your son the story of the Exodus, a whole new and delicious layer. There's nothing like the creation of a new generation of the family, an unexpected but joyfully anticipated arrival, the powerful freedom of entrance into the world out here rather than the world in there to make you look anew at the themes of the Passover holiday we have been celebrating this past week. And as you saw, pretty much every member of my immediate family has had the chance to hold this baby in their arms over the last 10 days, which leaves us with our last picture. <laughs> Me and my nephew. Thank goodness for the magic of video chat. I might not actually get to hold this kiddo in my arms until I go visit him next month, but through the power of photos and Facebook video, I get as close as possible to what that might feel like. I am very palpably channeling the feeling at the intersection of being there and not being there. Modern technology facilitates this experience with my nephew, but it's not relegated to cellular innovations alone. Passover has also provided us a spiritual imperative for the same kind of here and there feeling. Last Friday, the Haggadah commanded us, Bechol dor vador chayav adam lirot etatzmo ke'ilu hu in every generation, now four, a person must see themselves as though they had gone out of Egypt. As it is stated, and you shall tell your child on that day, saying it is because of what the Eternal did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. Passover is a holiday of freedom and redemption, and springtime and celebration, but it is, above all, a holiday of radical empathy. A holiday that demands that we be ourselves in the here and now, while simultaneously feeling ourselves in the there and then. 
Such an empathy, a sense of belonging and being, serves us not just over these seven days, but in every aspect of our lives. Cultivating the ability to see ourselves in the experiences of others makes us better Jews, and it makes us better human beings. And since we cannot literally relive the Exodus in the same way that I cannot yet literally hold my nephew, this holiday gives us the gift of spiritual technology, which might guide us to find that empathy. How does the Seder encourage us to see ourselves as one with our ancestors? It is, like many rituals, tactile. We taste, we smell, we pick up, we ponder images and foods, we dip. We do not build connection with the others of our past or our present in sterile environments. How can we see ourselves as one with all who have lived the experience of Exodus if we don't engage with the fullness of our senses? The salt of tears shed, the songs lifted up in praise, the scent of sacrifices from time immemorial echoed in the smell of brisket. <laughs> we have to, as writer and death row defense lawyer Brian Stevenson says, get proximate. To build a sense of shared reality, we must engage in the sensory worlds of our ancestors, our neighbors, and especially our strangers. The piece of spiritual technology that helps us see ourselves not just as one with our Israelite ancestors, but one with our strangers is matzah. I know, I know, you are probably at this moment looking for the three stars in the sky, counting down the minutes to sunset so you can go home and have your pizza and your pasta and your bread extravaganzas, and trust me, I am with you. But matzah is, as my friend and colleague Rabbi Jason Fenster calls it, empathy bread. It isn't just that we are told not to eat leavened foods during this week, which would suffice to cover the experience of our ancestors leaving Egypt. No, we're also told that we must eat matzah. Flat, tasteless, crumbly matzah because it is lechem oni, the bread of affliction. This isn't bread to help us remember the leaving of Egypt. It's to help us remember the experience of Egypt itself. It forces us to align ourselves with all those, not just in story, but in our society today, who are compelled time and again to consume that which harms them either literally or metaphorically. The affliction of unclean water in Flint, Michigan. The affliction of swallowing false teachings or medical advice forced on students or patients. The affliction of eating crumb after crumb after crumb of discrimination and denial and degradation. Passover has been trying to help us not just see but feel the lack of redemption in the world. To be there and here in one moment 
so that our empathy might command us to become agents of freedom in our own day. I recognize that this system isn't perfect. As long as your Seder might have been, as afflicting as your matzah consumption might have been, as sweet as it is to see my nephew over a video screen, there is a difference between there and here, between then and now. But if Passover and a new nephew have taught me anything this week, it's that the imperfection of not quite there should never keep us from still trying as hard as we can to be as close as possible to what matters, to build as much empathy as we can, to strive for freedom not just on a Seder night or on these seven days of Passover, but in the use of that spiritual technology for empathy, symbols and proximity and senses and ritual every single day. The guitar agrees. <laughs> the, the poet Adrian Rich writes, freedom. It isn't once to walk out under the Milky Way, feeling the rivers of light, the fields of dark. Freedom is daily, prose bound, routine remembering putting together inch by inch the starry worlds from all the lost collections. As we move through this Shabbat, which closes our Passover experience, may we look for freedom for ourselves and others in acts of routine remembering. May we search for the right technologies to help us feel at one with others to feel present with others, to feel present for others, even when our locations and our experiences place us far away. And may the cultivation of such empathy and awareness lead us to build starlit worlds for us all, worlds free of bitterness, of affliction, and especially free of distance. <laughs>